John 2, 13 through 17. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there. And he made a whip of cords. He drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, Take these things away, and do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Okay, so we see a really big transition here from the previous section where Jesus was at the wedding feast in Cana, and he had just turned all this water into wine, and there was a big celebration. And then verse 12 is kind of the transition that he left the wedding, and after this he went down to Copernicum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. And then the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. So Jesus is partaking in the Passover. And we remember that the Passover is the annual feast, celebrating and uh, remembering the time when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, and he passed over all of the firstborns, the firstborn sons of the Israelites who believed in God and put the sign on their doorposts and ate the lamb like they were supposed to and did the sacrifice. And so this was a time of remembrance and celebration that God was good to his people and that he still is, that he had set them apart and that he had saved them from the, Israel, uh, from the Egyptians. And so Jesus is partaking in this feast and uh, in the sacrifices that go along with that. So he's going up to the temple. And while he's there, that's where he runs into these money changers and people selling uh, different animals for sacrifices at the temple. And it looks like with the way that this is written and, and um, the callouts here, that the temple isn't in the inner, inner, super uh, inner part of the temple where only the Jews were allowed and only the Jews could go to participate in the worship. This is probably just on the outside of that, so it's an area where the Gentiles, the non-Jews, could also be, but it is still part of that temple complex and part of the area set aside for the worship of God. And so these people had set up these booths so that you could just bring money with you and buy your sacrifice when you were right there, and you wouldn't have to worry about bringing in any animal with you on your journey to the temple, especially at Passover when a bunch of people are coming. You wouldn't have to worry about that. You just show up and you buy what you need right there. So it's very convenient, like going to the airport and buying what you need when you get on or off the plane. The problem is this is not just an airport. This is God's temple. It's that area where he had set this aside as the place where he would dwell with his people, and it was the place where they would come and specifically worship him, uh, that set-aside location. 
And these money changers and these people selling animals were making it a disordered location. They were turning it into a place of commerce with animals running around and um, money changers charging people to change their money from one form to another. There was all of this stuff going on that is distracting and pulling away from the worship of God. And that's why we see here that Jesus drives them out of the temple and drives them away, uh, tips out their coin jars, flips over the tables and, and kicks them out and tells them not to make his father's house into a, a place of trade. And then the disciples remember that it says, the zeal for your house will consume me. And so this is a quote from um, from Psalm 69, 9, which says that the zeal for the house of the Lord would consume him. And so we see that they are remembering, oh, this is a promise from the Older Testament to now, and that this is a promise that the zeal for God's house would be upon Jesus. And we see that that zeal is all the way through the whole of scripture for not just his house, but his special day. So you think back to creation and uh, God created the world in six days. Uh, and then the seventh day he rested, he set aside this special day. And then in the 10 commandments, walking through those, number one, number two, number three, and then number four. And as you read through, uh, the Ten Commandments, everything slows down a little right there at number four. It becomes the longest section of the Ten Commandments, uh, showing how important. Number one, number two, you all have no other gods before me, you won't worship an idol. These are really the, the cornerstone and the, the bedrock, that foundation on which the rest are built. Because setting aside uh, the Sabbath doesn't mean anything unless you're setting it aside for the one and only and the true God. But then he, God knows that the Sabbath is um, very important for his people, that time of worship and that place of worship as well. And that's what we see here, that Jesus is zooming in on that place of worship and really wanting to make sure that one, God is honored. God is honored above all things. Number one, number two of the 10 commandments. Um, and number three, and that God is honored above everything. So that's really important. And then two is this orderly nature of worship. So one, setting aside that place and that time that it's not for commerce, it's not for trade, it's not for buying and selling animals for the sacrifice, but that's a time and a place for worship. Uh, we see, as we continue to move through the Newer Testament, and we get to some of the epistles, especially uh, reminded of like 1 Corinthians, where the Apostle Paul writes many chapters on what orderly worship looks like. And uh, orderly worships everything from who is the ones conducting it, so who the elders are, who the deacons are, who are helping and assisting in the worship, what it looks like in terms of what activities are done during a worship service and during that worship time, as well as um, who's participating in those and um, what you can't do. Uh, so he especially highlights that you can't be 
talking in tongues and doing a bunch of things when there is not someone there to then turn that tongue into something that is edifying for the body. Uh, really showing that the gathering on that Sunday is there for the gathering of Christ's body to draw and to point everyone to Christ. Uh, and it's a special means of grace as that church gathers. And that is what's being disrupted here in this Passover, um, or in this time at the temple, when Jesus was showing up for the Passover. So this is why Jesus is taking this very seriously, as should we, when we uh, look at how to apply this into our current life today. So we need to take our Sabbath very seriously and our gathered church very seriously, fight for unity and fight for the sole purpose of what we do on these gathered days to be the worship of God, the glory giving to God and God alone. Uh, so hopefully this is helpful and an encouragement for us on the Lord's Day, on Sundays, and also an encouragement to see how Jesus took this so seriously and uh, was willing to instantly have these big confrontations with some of the Jewish leaders. We'll see tomorrow uh, how he has the um, interaction with the Jewish leaders. They'll come in and talk to him about what he was doing here. So he starts to then use this as a teaching moment to point to who he is. So I hope this is helpful and an encouragement and that you are learning from this.